Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 367, talking finding your food culture. This is my personal journey. Little story, no script. Just want to talk about it. Take a minute with you all to kind of dive into something that's been very top of mind for me. You know, I've talked about so many personal elements on this show so many different times. Yet so often they're kind of just an extension of something we're talking about. They're kind of an exclamation point. They're a comma and into the conversation. And so I've taken some time to really reflect recently about my Japanese heritage. And it's something that I guess I didn't realize what a struggle it was for me. It kind of glazed over it a little bit. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory, and I'll talk about kind of why now it's very relevant to me, maybe to you. And I also want to talk about some exciting stuff into the future. I'm going to ask, have a big ask, putting intention out in the world to see if down the road something magical, <laughs> I don't know the way to put it, can happen from this, you know, 12 minutes that we might be uh, talking here. So uh, I grew up, dramatic pause, I grew up in uh, Southern California mostly, uh, had some of my youth in uh, in Germany as well. So understanding different cultures was always something that's, that I kind of innately had a connection to, learning a different language, learning a different culture as a child trying to mesh those together. It was always something that I was trying to navigate and uh, and needing to navigate, really. Also have uh, Japanese heritage. My grandmother, my obachan, bachan, as she wanted us to call her, is from Kyoto, Japan. And so being multicultural was always a part of my life. There was a certain time in my life, though, where I very much shunned it. I did not want to be Japanese. I did not want to be Asian. And that played out in a multitude of ways. And food was actually at, at the center of it often. And so it's very interesting how that's played out now. I didn't want to be Japanese because I felt I wasn't Japanese enough. I also felt like I wasn't American or white enough, you know, Irish or French enough. You know, the other sides of my, my heritage. And so I actively tried to kind of push that aside. I remember people would ask me, they're like, so what are you? I was like, oh, fuck that question. What are you? I was like, oh, I'm uh, Irish and French. And what else? Is there like some Asian? Your eyes look a little, you know, and then they would awkwardly say squinty or Asian or slanted or something ridiculous, you know, and I would, oh, well, yeah, there's some uh, Japanese too. And they go, oh, okay. And, and sometimes people would be like, oh, cool. And other times would be like, oh, okay, great. And it was like, fuck. So I, I had to 
ask that question of myself and I had to answer that question. It was super fucking awkward. It was just awkward all the time. I remember that. And so I wanted to go further and further away from that. And the further that I could go away from that was shunning as many different elements that were Japanese. So, you know, for a time I, I learned Japanese. I, I, I went to uh, learn Japanese language at, um, I don't know, Japanese, maybe day school or something like that. I can't even remember the details. Again, I try to like blank this out to this point. Now all I can do is eat. I can count to 10. <laughs> and there were lots of food turns. I never really wanted to learn Japanese. Then my grandmother, Obachan, would come over to our house. This I remember very distinctly. And it informs a lot of maybe the shame that I felt and then finding my culture very much through finding Japanese food. She would come over, <laughs> very Japanese, with the tiniest little like Tupperware containers, a dozen of them, each filled with different Japanese condiments, sauces, fermentations. And they all had that funk and that stank to it. There was natto in there. There was tsukumono in there. There was umeboshi. There was all, <laughs> all kinds of goodies, as I imagine them now. But at the time, they were this like physical manifestation of all of the shame and doubt and fear that I had as a hapa, as a, as a part Japanese, part white person, you know, being somewhat round eye and still being a Jap, a nip, all of these things that like, even like I struggle to say because they've all been cast towards my people so to speak and it's hard and, and even just of recent you know and and again i don't know if i'm japanese enough to speak out on you know uh, asian hate still to this day there's this awkwardness of like maybe that's somebody else who's more asian than i am to speak on because and i will say that i'm lucky i guess to some degree that i'm six foot two with pretty pale kind of Irish, more Irish skin and a big French, you know, schnoz. There you go. There's the profile. So like I didn't get discriminated against to the degree. So much more of it was, was self-loathing, I think for sure. But I remember having that feeling, you know, with especially again, those foods or being Japanese, what that meant to all my white friends even my latino friends and black friends like being japanese wasn't it wasn't cool yet like i think it's kind of cool now because of our food culture especially like the most gangster food on the planet for sure all comes from asia now france and italy i'm sorry you had your day now you're getting dominated by the asians and um the the latin a community for sure so anyway <laughs> I digress and I'm going to digress a lot during this, uh, the next couple minutes, that food that she would bring over. It was just the smell and the look of it was just a reminder of that self-loathing. And she would leave. She always left so many of those containers at our house in our refrigerator. I would throw them away. I would throw them away because I didn't want anybody, myself included. I didn't want to set stuff. I didn't want to be reminded of it again and again and again, even after, you know, little Obachan was gone. 
and so much. I mean, I can't tell you how much I loved that woman, what she went through, the strength of a person so demure in size, yet so intensely powerful. So I, I always held a lot of respect for her. I just had doubts about how I fit into being American with a multi multicultural background. So wanted to make sure people know so much love for Obachan, RIP. Uh, one of the best, one of the best, most stoic, powerful people I have ever encountered in my entire life and an amazing storyteller. She was a Toastmaster and uh, you know, she would get up and speak in front of people and maybe that's where I get some of my gregariousness. I don't know. The food. I then really now recognize and credit Japanese food and, and and Asian food at large. I fell in love with with Korean food and especially fermentation and kimchi with Viet Thai Chinese uh, regional as well. It was this unlock of this like mystical magical world that is Asian culture and food. And the Japanese have a level of refinement refinement and snobbery for sure that is just. It's kind of unmatched it really is and uh the the french i think idolize the snobbery that the japanese are able to instill especially into into their food and so all of a sudden i i started being able to cook with asian ingredients and asian food and started to explore japanese food through its culture and and sushi became you know a a mainstay kind of of the American diet. And all of a sudden, like then all these hype monsters came out and ramen shops were opening up all over the place, all these different things. Like it was, it was all of a sudden cool to be Japanese. I still wasn't Japanese enough. So I haven't really talked about it to this depth in this scatterbrain until recently. And the reason that I recently spoke about it is because of so much of what we talk about with best served of being able to, to tell a deeper story it has to be more than what's on the plate. The food is just the proof that you are who you say you are. And so I wanted to reflect on that. Who am I if what I do with my food is an extension of that? And we talk about this idea of cross-utilization, something we do in restaurants fairly well. We cross-utilize ingredients to make sure that there's minimal waste and that we're managing our inventory and blah, 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 all these very practical things. I was like, what if I was able to find a way to cross-utilize content? cross-utilized storytelling and so there's all these different uh like highfalutin techniques and approaches that i take to japanese food uh still being an outsider and i apply that to food and there's there's one specific thing that i really love it's damburi which is a, a japanese rice bowl kind of ubiquitous rice bowl done regionally in all kinds of different ways and i, I think of the kyoto style more like a kaisendan, which is like food kind of based and, and uh, being not on the coast Kyoto, there's a lot more preserved fish. So I'll do like a Saba, you know, kind of like a quick cured mackerel. Uh, and then I went off, I did this Damburi bowl because I want to show all these different components, show all these different elements, show what it takes to kind of tell a deeper story about a dish and also show behind the scenes a little bit, not just post the finished polished picture, like we do so much in restaurants, like I was so unbelievably guilty of and just saying, here, you're lucky to see my cool shit. Come buy my shit. 
And we have to do more than that. And so Dombudi was an opportunity for me to do that. And what it did also was it pushed me even further to reflect on my Japanese heritage, my Japanese food culture, and why I'm talking with you about it, why I turned it into a whole episode, because it's really been something that I'm st it's stirring. It still hasn't fully developed into what I need to kind of manifest how that reality becomes part of the story that I get better and better at telling. So talking about that a lot, and I'll put, uh, we did, uh, Corey did a couple posts, excuse me, and, uh, kind of showcased it. I think we're doing this thing where we want to kind of like show a carousel, like show me more than just the finished picture. Show me the sexy picture, but show me a couple of other elements that give me an insight to what it took to get that dish to fruition. So we'll, we'll drop that in the comments for sure. Uh, here's the big ask of intention. I've never been to Japan. I was told that I was not going to be able to go to Japan. There's this very Japanese thing where there's a very subdued underculture where certain things are never said and you must uphold certain honors within a family. My Obachan told me that her family, when they would come to visit, they will ask me three times to visit them and three times I must graciously decline, I believe is the exact terminology that she used. I think there was some excuse that myself and you know the other boys, we were too big and the amenities that they had at the kind of Shinto temple that they had that got turned into a bed and breakfast wouldn't be able to properly accommodate us. And that would bring some level of shame to the family that they couldn't accommodate their family. And again, I think that, you know, there was a little bit of politics in there and stuff. My two sisters have both been uh, Mackenzie speaks Japanese and I was always like a little bit kind of jealous of that. I, I brushed off like, I don't want to go to Japan. Like, that's not for me. I'm too cool for that shit. Uh, but definitely like it, it stuck in my mind a little bit. And my brother and I, at a certain point, it became like too big of a, of a elephant in the room to like even discuss. So it just kind of went away for a long time. And years later, my brother and I, who again, also in the industry said, you know, when Bachan passes away, we're going to go there. And it was a little macabre. Like we had to wait for our grandmother to die, to go to visit her homeland. But again, like it was a little bit strange. And even just saying it now makes me feel awkward and uncomfortable. So there was this idea of going to Japan as this pilgrimage, you know, after uh, Obachan died when she did pass away and it was right at the onset of, you know, a pandemic, her ashes has still not been returned to Japan. My mother and sister were going to do that. And I, you know, really have decided that I would like to, here's the ask, I would like to shoot a documentary of my journey and as an extension, my family's journey of going to Japan. And I think I need to learn Japanese before I go. So I'm going to make sure and get on Duolingo or something before then. You can try and hold me accountable if this comes to fruition. And go and visit the country that defined now so much of what I didn't want my life to be and what now I'm trying to embrace. I want to go. I want to tell that story. Somewhere out there, somebody, one of you watching this, listening to this, is the person, knows the person, will connect me to the person, the people, the group, the opportunity to help get me there, to help shoot a documentary, to get it on Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever it is. Finding food culture, my personal journey, is something that I absolutely want to bring to fruition. 
I want to struggle with that process. I want to be inspired by that process. Uh, I want to figure out a way to finance something like that. I have no fucking idea what something like that takes $200,000 to get me and some family there and video crew and production and (laughs) somebody to figure out how the hell that gets onto platforms where that stuff is produced and streamed and super BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. Then it gets, you know, at some film festivals and it wins a James Beard award and a, and a Oscar that to me would, you know, be life changing with my life would have already been changed by going through the process of that. And that would just be the, that would be the final dish. That would be the extension of the actual journey, which is what I believe all of us are on when we, commit ourselves to a life of food and hospitality food is just the proof that you are who you say you are and i'm hoping to find that through some kind of journey through japanese heritage and culture and uh being an outsider and seeing if i can find my way back in personally and within the actual uh dynamic of my family and and all of that so that is that's what I'm hoping to manifest here, doing some visual visualization. I need all of your help. Uh, I hope this, I hope this connects and resonates. I think a lot of us struggle with our own identity and culture and maybe talking about it just a little bit more. Uh, and also shout out. I'm so grateful. So many people reached out and kind of said, you know, behind the scenes, like, I feel you, I hear you. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that that was something that you were going through. And so appreciate that. It matters. That's all I got. What was this? Best Served Podcast 367, Finding Your Food Culture, My Personal Journey. Just getting started. I'm going to need help from all of you. And so let's uh, let's make it happen. Let's get uh, Best Served out to Japan to take this, uh, this journey. Oh, fuck. How fucking cool would that be? Amazing. All right. Appreciate you all. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.